Combo Nation. Hope everybody had a great weekend out there. Let's get into it. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 272 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. It's really important. Get all that down for me. Rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you would like to support the podcast even further, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. There's two tiers, and on one of those tiers, you can receive, you will receive bonus content. That's right. Patreon-only exclusive Combos Court episodes. Check it out. Link is in the description for that. Another way to support is share this episode. Share it on social media. Tag me on Instagram, on your IG stories. That's one, two combo, O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Tag me on Twitter, retweet it. I'm Combo's Court on there, C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. You know, and share it anywhere, Facebook, LinkedIn, and also tell a friend to tell a friend about Combo's Court Podcast. Today's show, Zach Ramey returns to Combo's Court. Zach is the host of The Off The Glass Podcast. You can find Zach on Twitter at The Off The Glass. That's T-H-E-O-F-F-T-H-E-G-L-A-S-S. And make sure you go subscribe to The Off The Glass Podcast. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Ramey just had a turnover before we started the podcast, but he's here. He's with <laughs> us. He might not have his coffee with him, but um, Zach Ramey is the host of The Off The Glass Podcast, a great podcast. Go check it out, rate, review, subscribe. But Zach, welcome back to Combo's Court, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thanks for having me again, Combo. Great time. Playoff basketball. And then you will say I had a turnover with the point guard t-shirt on. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. A turnover with the coffee. He didn't do it back in the day with the basketball, but with the coffee. I know, another, right? I know, right? It's another story. <laughs> tell, tell, hey, tell everybody your motto, though. That's that's because you know. Oh, fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. Just something I came up with to try to just base, basically describe the best way I could just the type of basketball fan I am. Just somebody that really loves the game. I pride myself as being a historian of the game. So I thought that model that I came up with took me some time, but I definitely feel like it fits my podcast and fits my brand. That is a Zach Ramey thing, but I would say that's kind of how I am, you know? And no, I think for all, sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. All, all yeah. my listeners know that. And I end up like, kind of like saying parts of your, you know, your model, like in the, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, that's Zach, but you know, it really fits <laughs> me too, because I'm, I like to bring an unbiased opinion, you know, and I really am a fan of no team. No, you're doing is reflected in your podcast because you have a wide range of people on analytics, traditional players, form, yeah. you know, current players, coaches, you know, people of the culture who might not even play, but have found their lane within basketball culture or the other cultures that kind of intersect at the same intersection as basketball. So, no, that's definitely reflected in your brand and your podcast. I realized, you know, I think I'm more interested in covering trends and waves of basketball than the day-to-day even though I like the day-to-day as well and I feel like what we're in right now with the playoffs it's not really that time you know yeah and to be honest with you I didn't even do on my last two podcasts I barely touched any 
playoff basketball because I kind of like some of the other stuff, the the storylines and bringing my my diverse background as a, a historian, literally have a degree in history. You know, I, I like to be able to take different topics like the Kwame Brown situation or overtime signing junior prospects. Like I like kind of shedding light yeah, like that on that too. kind of stuff as well, not just always X's and O's. And those kind of podcasts last forever, or they last longer than the day-by-day analysis. I do really like the day-by-day analysis. I just feel like, I don't know, something about something that'll be evergreen, you know? I really enjoy it. Yeah, and I feel like even if you bring good analysis, it could tend to get lost in the day-to-day because yeah. everybody's kind of doing it, and you can kind of get overshadowed. Would I do a, a podcast just doing day to day or can I do a podcast that nobody else has done? And a lot or, of times I mix. try to do nobody, nobody has done or a mix. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I listened to the podcast today. Great yeah. podcast. I Thank mean, you. all your podcasts are great to me. I, I listen. I listen very often. Um, I just I feel this podcast was more about your belief that Luka Doncic is the best player. Than yeah, anything, exactly. Than anything that has to do with LeBron, but LeBron was in the title. Yeah, and that was, I mean, let's be honest, it was kind of clever marketing, okay. right? The, and I feel like we call him, his nickname is the King, Torch. Uh, we usually use that acronym or however you want to say it, that word, that metaphor to describe, you know, passing of, of greatness or different things. And LeBron's the face of the league. And one thing I've heard this year a lot of, is who's going to be the next face because he's in year 18. So it's like we have a lot of young talent. Like, I mean, the NBA talent-wise is in a great space, but it's like who can really carry the lead? And just watching Luka this year, watching him in the playoffs, and I've really watched a lot of playoff games. Like, I went back and watched just about every game, not the whole game, but every game that weren't blowouts. Like, I went back and watched some aspect of the game, and I'm just watching him like this just makes perfect sense. And ironically, I even recorded it during the Atlanta Knicks game. I didn't even record it after I watched the Lakers lose. Like some people thought I did. I was like, no, like I had already had already recorded it. And it's just obvious, like, what are we waiting on with the Luka thing? And I know you're a Luka supporter. We kind of had some of the same views early on at the party. And I'm just like, what are we waiting on? But as quite naturally, it turned into me trying to do something negative against LeBron. And that just really wasn't the case it was more just like we have it it's Luca he's the next guy out of all this group and I thought I did at least in my opinion a decent job explaining why I picked him over some of the other younger players I I thought I did a great job so a couple people came back after they listened to it and said you know I was kind of just going off the title and I was like yeah you got to go listen to it that's just a tease to get you in there it's not the whole podcast in a minute and 30 seconds on Twitter so uh I got a mixed review. I say I had more positive reviews than um than negative reviews. Yeah, I mean, to say that LeBron, it's time for LeBron to pass the torch, to pass the torch is not really up to LeBron. That's nothing to do with LeBron. It's about somebody no, it else. A, it's about somebody else taking it. Or they just fall into it because I lo- I looked at history before I even did this. There's technically only one person that quote-unquote took it right and that was Jordan beating Magic in 91. Isaiah beat Bird and Magic but I don't think Isaiah was ever looked at as the best player in the league so that's not quite the same thing but as far as from the Magic at one point him or Bird depending on how you want to slice looked at as the best player in the league Jordan's the only one in history 
I mean, Kobe kind of just moved into that spot. You know, Shaq had it for a little bit. Some may say Tim Duncan, you know, and then Kobe kind of came in and LeBron kind of came in from Kobe because they never matched up. So when people were saying like he has to come in and take it, it's kind of almost like a old school approach. I'm like, no, you don't always have to take it. Your play just kind of speaks for itself and you just kind of ease into that lane. And then it becomes a point where at one point we all assume for the most part that, okay, Kobe Bryant is the best player in the league or LeBron is the best player in the league. I don't think we had these, did he snatch the torch type debates, you know, but it was just me just being tongue in cheek and just being clever with the writing. That's all, you know. There was some great takes about European basketball in there. And, and I said this before on the podcast, I don't think people realize like the level of difficulty of actually scoring, having a high average of points in Europe. It's just way different when the leading score at Euroleague's around 20 and what he was doing at that age. It was really remarkable, you know. And, uh, I mean, everybody knows I go back and bring up the receipts from uh, my Luca takes back in the draft. I tend to do that all the time. But it really was quite obvious at the time to me, like, just what he was doing in Europe. And I think people don't realize, like, how tough Europe is. Not necessarily that it's a higher level, and it's not a higher level, just style of play. No, and I I was trying to make that clear because I think us as United States citizens, American citizens, we had this bravado of that we're the best and we're the only ones and we do it the best. So if you're not doing it here, then you're not doing it at elite level. And I've been trying to get people to understand that since 1992, when the dream team went to Spain, that changed basketball forever. The game is global. Hip hop culture is global. So you mix that. Luca plays with a bounce with the swag. And far as I understood in my history, yeah, there's been a lot of great players to come through the EuroLeague. We've seen them end up in our league. I mean, the Drazen Petrovic's, the Ginobili's, the, you know, Arvita Sabonis is going way back. But we never saw what Luca did at 19. At 19. And usually in the EuroLeague or annuals leagues, if you're averaging 20 or 21, you're not on, on one of the better teams. I don't think yeah. people understand that. And I was also trying to show, and we saw it with David Blatt play out, the coaches are usually the focal point. So for a 19-year-old to do what he did at that level and dominate, like really dominate, and then when he got to the NBA, he said it was easier. People thought he was just joking. It's like, no, it's easier from the standpoint of how the game is called, the freeing, free men, uh, the freedom of movement and at his size and the space he can play with and being able to create. It's just a, it's just a different game. And it is a little easier when you have an elite player like a Luka Doncic playing at that type of level. So, yeah, we could take LeBron out of it. I'd like to ask you why you would have Luka as a better player right now than Kevin Durant. It was more, like I said, at the end for age. Because it was more of a... And sometimes I do this. You have a lot in your mind. You're trying to get so much out. I listen to it myself, obviously. I would have liked to kind of expound on that a little bit more. So here you go. You're on combos court to expound. But when it comes to KD and even Steph, I just feel like their better days in a lot of ways are behind them than them still climbing up the mountaintop. And I thought even if we compare games, Kevin Durant to me has always been just a one of the best scorers we've ever seen. That's about it. I don't think he's a he's a solid playmaker, but that's not really his thing. Defense he, defense has been really good at points of his career. But that's still not like how we've seen some of the other guys that we that held that crown. Like I think LeBron should have won a defensive player of the year at least once in his career. I don't think we've ever said that about Kevin Durant just being it, I think it was close one of those warrior years. 
you can make a case for because yeah. definitely during those warrior years, that was his best yeah. defensive basketball. And even Steph, as great as Steph is, he's not the playmaker Luka is. Draymond gives them an option for Steph to be even greater because he doesn't have to worry about setting the table as much. And people get mad when I say that. I'm not saying he can't do it. It's just that he doesn't have to focus on it so then we, he can open up and be that great scorer and shooter that we see, see him on a nightly basis. And that's why, for me, it was more kind of pronosticating of what the future is because, again, the whole conversation that I've heard this year was who's going to be the new face. And I thought... I looked it up. I think he just turned 22. I think he just had a birthday. So he's either 21 or 22. And it's just like, what are we doing at this point? So that's why KD for me doesn't, I can't see him as the face going forward. Do you think the face has to be the best player? Yeah, I think so. Usually okay. it has been. I don't, I don't, I can't think of a time when it hasn't, you know, or. Well, it depends. Well, on certain people's, I think there would be certain people. Well, like how you, you say LeBron's the face right now, but you think Luke is actually better. So I'm sure there's other people with that take. Well, I said at his age. Okay, okay, okay. Prime LeBron until Luca. See, this is where, you know, we have to take it step by step. I think when they were the same age, I think Luca's a little bit better than LeBron. I think, uh, and what came, what made me kind of realize this is, you know, shout out to, to Ben Taylor was his greatest peak series where he illustrated beautifully how LeBron actually became a better finisher when he got to Miami. You know, yeah. I think, Peak LeBron in Miami is something very few players that have played in this league has ever touched. Luka hasn't got there yet, but if we're looking at the same age, I would say Luka's a little bit further ahead than LeBron. Comparable teams in a way, right? Not the most talented teams. I would say LeBron's teams were obviously a little bit less talented, but not ain't that far off when you really look at what Dallas throws out there on a nightly basis as far as consistency. Um, I would say right now, because again, my whole argument is, through the LeBron lens, I feel like we still look at him like it's 2016. And me as somebody that played, I see a, a smart uh, basketball savant, a genius, who's figured out how to play the game at such a high level. And then he's also been smart as one of the smarter players we've seen in basketball as keeping a roster around him as he ages to keep him at a certain level. But I think his skills are nowhere near athletically where he once was. And, and my whole thing has been, it's been expected. He's in year 18, 60,000 plus minutes, not including Olympics. So I'll even say right now, I think Luca's better than LeBron right now. So LeBron obviously had the athleticism edge and, oh, yeah. you know, and, and defense. But I mean, when it comes to craft and skill, I would agree with you at the same age, you know? Yeah, at the same age. But obviously, so people can hear this, I'm not saying he's the, like, if we look at LeBron's career in a nutshell, no, LeBron's the better player right now. Luka has a lot of right. work. I mean, a lot of work to do. LeBron's going to have record after record, championships, MVPs, so he has a long way to go. But I'm just saying for the foreseeable future, I believe Luka is that, is that guy. And to your point, you asked me, does it have to be the best player? Well, I mean, you have to at least be in the conversation. I think yeah. we'll both agree with that. And then yeah. from there, as I've gotten older, I'm not trying to – beat people over the head and say we have to agree with each other. I just like for people to be respectful in, in my take, even if you don't agree. But I've learned it also comes down to preference and all of us have different preferences. You know, we all don't necessarily like the same type of pizza, you know, if that makes sense. For sure. And the top, you know, it might be tough for, to some, for somebody to become the absolute face going forward because the top end talent in the league is just crazy with all the young players, you know? 
It is, but he outside of free throw shooting and defense, if you want to even say that, right? I mean, I just think as far as somebody, if we're building a roster, and the way I said it, and shout out to UMP when y'all did y'all lights and I asked y'all the question because y- y'all got me thinking this. I think Le- Luca needs the least out of all of them. Like Tatum can be the best player on a championship team, but you still have to build a certain type of roster around him. Giannis can be the best player on a championship team, but you got to build a certain type of roster around him. Nikola Jokic, same thing. Even Trey Young down in Atlanta. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is showing that this year. You know, certain guys, younger guys we have coming up, Devin Booker, right? Ricky Rubio was a really good NBA point guard, but now we can kind of see what an elite-level point guard did for Devin Booker in, in certain ways. So I feel like Luka, out of all that group, he's the one I feel like needs the least around him to ultimately win a championship. And I think that gives him just the slight edge. Am I the only guy that's still a believer in Porzingis? I feel like everybody, I think everybody's doubtful. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I have people texting me, it's over, you know, washed up. And I, I just don't, I don't really believe that. I think, you know, my thing is, is that the bubble wasn't too long ago. And we saw him play at an all NBA level, not too long yeah. ago, you know? And I think for them to win this series, he is going to have to step up. But I'm still a believer in Porzingis. I think, though, this is where the youth of Luka shows up. Uh, and me being a, a former point guard, I think certain times guys have to understand they have to get certain guys going, especially when you're great and you can get yours. Mm-hmm. So almost like force feeding KP a little bit, get that confidence, get him established. But again, what's the what's the expectations? You know, is I, I know he was what the number four pick, but he yeah. was injured. The bubble wasn't that long ago. He's still young. I mean, what are I mean, we giving Nick, up? Nick's, Nick's Porzingis was a real thing when he was. With he the was. Knicks. I mean, why? Yeah. What are we? What are we giving up on exactly? You know what I mean? Does well, he him, maybe... him, be, him being a a franchise guy. I mean, I, I'm not even saying from my opinion. I'm just saying from right, 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 from a fan's perspective, a franchise guy or a number two guy next to Luca that they could win a championship with. I mean, it, it, it's to be seen. I wouldn't be mad if they came up with a decent deal if they wanted to package and move him. I wouldn't say he's untradeable like that. But again, me personally, I never thought he was a franchise guy going okay. back to his days at the Knicks. So, well, I think New York, I think New York did at that point. Because that's what New York sold them as. They're not patient enough to kind of see what they have and then even build the right pieces around, around a player. You know, we know it, with, with basketball and NBA, it's a process for, for every team. And what we've seen consistently is that teams that know who they are culture-wise – and stick to a process, they're usually the ones that stay the, on the most successful the longest. And the Knicks look like they're finally starting to understand it a little bit, but I never thought he was what everybody thought he was. I thought at his best he can be a two, but I thought he was more like a two-three as far as option on a team, depending yeah. on how the rest of that team was made up. Um, as you know, as we discussed, I'm not a fan of the Knicks, but I am a guy from New York. Yeah. And when I see somebody – like Trey Young with that energy, it kind of reminds me of like New York basketball growing up. It, it was funny mm. when he when he was when he was going at it with Taj. I knew he was <laughs> gonna shoot that one, obviously yeah. to get the three points for his team, even yeah. to get the three points for himself. But he really wanted to talk, man. That's what he wants to do. I think it's great to see, and I just think he's playing phenomenally. I think he had an All NBA season. Um, just being honest with Especially you. Especially second half of his season. Especially second half. Yeah. 
I, I've been critical of him, but I think I've been fair in my criticism personally, not like how the media, I think the national media takes shots at him. I've been fair. My whole thing was just work on continuing to improve on how to close games and just being able to compete when we need you to compete on the defensive end as far as rotations and things like that. But he's been phenomenal. The numbers have been there. I thought he did a great job once they got healthy, working those other guys in and still being able to pick his spots and get his points. Finding him and Capella out there has been fantastic for them. Letting Bogdanovich be great, even utilizing Gallo. So to me, if it wasn't for you, there, that roster is an Eastern Conference finals, even finals roster. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they're able to keep that together and people kind of mature and keep going. Like, that's a really good roster. And you're right. He brings that, that, that playground kind of New York type of energy. And shouts out to him because one thing I will say, if you're telling F me the whole game, well, I think I could do a little bit of talking back and you should be able to take it as good as you're, you're giving it. So shout out to him. I, again, I think he's all NBA, but I got a sneaky suspicion that players this this year shouldn't be all NBA is going to end up being all NBA because of their uh, because of their pedigree. But they shouldn't be all NBA, and I think it's going to take a couple spots away from guys who, because their availability and they were healthy all season, they're not going to get that nod. And I think they should. Yeah, I mean, if somebody starts with you, you, you got to talk back, and then you could even overdo it once if you get them. You know, I mean, that's just. That's the rules of the game. That's just Especially it when it's that disrespectful. I mean, F you, that don't get <laughs> – I mean, you could say some other things, but that's a little bit more than just trash talk. Like, that's really getting personal. But, again, um, I hope he gets rewarded because, like I said, in my opinion, James Harden, KD, and, and, and LeBron – or AD should be all NBA this year. They missed way too many games in a season where too many other guys who were available for their team, for whatever the reasons were, they were available – had really good to great seasons. So I'm just hoping he's not one of those guys that misses out on that spot because they gave it to one of the perennial all-NBA guys. Yeah, availability is the best ability. It is. It is. Yeah. It's, not, it's not his fault that people got hurt. It is what it is. And I would like to say I saw Trey playing in uh, 2018 Summer League, and the improvement has been immense. Just more mm -hmm. athletic, better yep. shot maker. Yeah. Uh, just in every way you could think of, even though, I mean, the defense isn't great and it might not even be great, but he tries. And I think Atlanta built around him the right way with yep. shooting with defense. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. And, you know, if I ever do get to talk to him, I'll just like to ask him, just walk me through a pick and roll. Like, what are you seeing? Because yeah. you could just see the growth and what he's reading is much better and how he's, He's been well, able he's, to, his ability to turn the corner has got a lot better that's, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was getting ready to say that that, that kind of that in between foul line area, and he's been great at when the most of the time when to throw that lob, when to shoot a floater. Like he's been really good at with his reads, and I mean, he's in year three now, so you expect the improvement from that standpoint as things progress. That's why when we go crazy over young players, I'm like, hey, slow down a little bit. Yeah, he's a young player. He was one and done. So technically, he's in his senior year of college. The reads and all that kind of stuff's going to come. Let's let's walk him through it a little bit and let's be patient. Well, you're a true student of the game. One thing with Trey, I'd like one thing with Trey, I'd like to see him do is just add some more to his finishing packages. It's a lot, and the floater is my favorite shot in basketball. But sometimes I don't think he can. You don't think he, you don't think he get there because of size? Size, and he's not the best athlete. So it's like, what are you going to really? Unless you add a left-hand floater. Yeah, I feel like sometimes he shoots – like, sometimes he'll be at the rim, 
and shoot a flower. Not always. And he's actually done a better job of that in this series. But I'm saying, like, sometimes it's not floater option time when he shoots the floater, if that makes sense to you. I got what you're saying. So maybe kind of – so maybe just tweak on recognizing when to shoot it. And Decisions. When to Decisions do in the lane. Yeah. 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 And maybe when can I – even at my size, I might be able to stretch out and finish with my left. Yeah. Or fish. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But I think, again, man, the NBA, those guys are tall with long arms. And so he's yeah. So basically, what you're saying, he's just in his mode to get the floater up, and it's working for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, because it's that's next level reading. Like that, you have to literally like that's like muscle memory because the, the the window is that tight, and they have him listed at whatever he is six something in his shoes. If he's that in his shoes, then I'm six six. I'm just being real because I'm looking at how he's standing next to Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose is like significantly taller than him, and I've stayed, I've stood next to to D Rose to uh, next to pool. And I'm taller than him. You know, like I am, it's not by a lot, but I'm just a half an inch or so taller than him. So it's like, that shows, that shows how crazy of an athlete he was. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. That's yeah. 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 We're seeing it with John Morant right now. You know, it's like a throwback to that healthy D Rose, even John wall a little bit. What we saw, uh, I ain't gonna say Westbrook because Westbrook is a little bit bigger guard, but that D Rose and that John Wall stuff that we saw early on is yeah, that's what we're seeing from Ja right now. But yeah, he's much taller than than Trey. So I think, I mean, you always want to improve. So I'm not gonna say to your point he can't, you know, work on it more and we might see better finishing. But I think for him, I would feel more comfortable like Tony Parker if he just makes that floater his bread and butter. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Trey, I wanted to shift this. I don't know if you talked about this on your podcast, but a dude literally spit on him. Do you know how disrespectful that is? Yeah. I, I've talked about the fan piece before and they keep, it seems like they keep doing it. So maybe next Monday when I drop, I'll talk about it. But I, well, I'm asking you if you know, you obviously know, but I mean, it's just it, like, that's yeah, just, just getting like, it's crazy, man. I don't know how that even enters your mind that that's okay. And I don't even think, you know, you know, I think the easy out is to blame the pandemic that people have been cooped up. People have been overexcited, you know, overexcited. But again, I've watched the, the respect level in this country and this society deteriorate over the last five years, like levels I've never seen before. So it's like nothing surprising me anymore. And like I said, you know, we're getting to a point where you're going to do that to the wrong player. And I just think it's a lot to ask a man to restrain themselves when somebody spits on you. Like, I think yeah. that's a, man, that's, that's a tough order because that's a, that's an assault or in Illinois, it's a battery. Cause it's Illinois uh, physical is battery verbal is assault, but everywhere else that's an assault. Like you spit on somebody you deserve, you're going to get punched in your face. So I just think we're at a very interesting point where, the fans need to start checking their behavior. I don't want to put anything out there as far as energy and atmosphere. Well, I don't want to repeat uh, what we saw in Detroit, but that doesn't look so crazy anymore now. I've seen it across social media, you know, regardless of how you feel like they handled it or shouldn't handle it or what happened or what the backstory may be. At the end of the day, somebody threw something from the crowd and it landed on, on a player. So, I mean, it, it hasn't been a good look. The Kyrie yeah. Irving thing wasn't a good look either. So Westbrook. I, Westbrook, and they actually dropped the lawsuit from the other Westbrook in Utah. That couple tried to sue him, and the judge just threw that lawsuit out late last week. So, yeah, the Westbrook situation, it's just, I don't, again, I never understood that. I just never got it. But me personally in college, I was 
uh, victimized of not somebody spitting on me, but saying like really crazy stuff. And I almost went to the stands a couple of times myself, you know, people saying really yeah. just, just really crazy stuff. So I never understood that as a fan. And maybe that's why I'm not a, a fan like that, because I just don't have that quote unquote passion like that at that level, that fanatical type of behavior where like, I'm gonna throw something at somebody, I'm gonna spit, I'm gonna curse them out. Like, it's just not that I just could never get to that level. Unbelievable. It's just so disrespectful. Um, let's shift back to basketball. You mentioned yep. John Morant. And like what I said for Porzingis, I think it's that way for Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he'll have to step up yep. for that series, you know, for them to make it happen in that series with Utah. Yeah, and it's not going to happen this year. He missed the whole season. Yeah. Um, rhythm matters. Chemistry matters. Um, confidence matters. And he hasn't had a chance to work on anything because he had a knee. So how much basketball on court working do you get to develop your skills? Like I remember Derrick Rose said, you know, I think he might've been in Minnesota at this point, but how good it was to have a summer. It was one of those years where he didn't have to work on rehabbing his body. Like I can just work on my game. So yeah. I think you kind of apply the same thing to Jaron Jackson Jr. Either and Porzingis because of COVID things were just different, man. It's just different. So Utah is not a fluke this year. I've been on record. I keep saying this that yep. you, you have to put your student hat on and watch their offense. You know, their offense is kind of like what Bud runs in Milwaukee with a couple other little wrinkles, but the difference is everybody on the court can shoot. So Donovan Mitchell's Giannis, but Giannis with a jump shot. So the fact that all of them can shoot, and yeah, we can laugh at the jokes. And, and, that, more, and more elusive, like it's harder for the defense to see Donovan coming. Yeah, it's just it's a different yeah. dynamic. Yeah. And then we could laugh at the jokes about Rudy Gobert that some former players have made about him. But he's a really good rim finisher, lob catcher. So you can't just let him go down the lane wide open. So it puts you in a quandary defensively. Like, who are you taking away? So, yeah, they're shooting a lot of threes. But for NBA players, they're getting a lot of great looks. That's why I don't think yeah. their offense is a fluke. And I think Memphis is just a little, little green, as they like to say, a little young. They're going to be competitive because the talent is there. Dylan Brooks, I've been singing his praises since he – I liked him at Oregon. Like, I'm not surprised at all. I thought – Talk, out to talk about not taking plays off. No, I, like I, on both ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah on both yeah. ends. I mean, I, again, I, I, that, that is hard to do. Like, to no, not take, play 100% every single play, even in the regular season. He's, he's different, man. And he's their best offensive player right now. He's a three-level scorer. He's a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a curl guy. He can get to the basket. He, he, he wills his well way to the – like, he's not the most yeah. elusive guy to the basket, but he no. just wills it and gets there, you know? Well, I think what's come out of this, people realize his size. Like, he's almost, what, 6'6", 230? Yeah, like, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's not a small guy. So, again, I think they'll figure it out. You know, I, I had did the clip that I put on Twitter just showing how important fourth-quarter possessions are. And I think they'll learn going forward. I think it'll be a competitive series. Wouldn't surprise me if it stretches to six or it wouldn't surprise me if the Jazz get them out of there in five. But it's going to be a competitive. I don't see the Jazz necessarily blowing them out. But I think the Jazz are a really, really good team this year. It's just a different level. And I think going up against Denver last year and learning from, from that series, I think really did them some good and let them know that you got to take advantage of each opportunity. And even now, Conley's healthy. Remember, he started out yeah. in quarantine last year. So I don't even think he played what in the first couple games against the Nuggets. So they're 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 no joke, but shout out to Memphis, their organization, because what they built through the draft on the fly 
And they've had some luck, some luck, because you get the number two pick, you get John Morant, you get Jaron Jackson Jr. So shout out to them for Xavier Tillman. Um, Desmond Bain can really shoot it coming out of TCU. So, yeah, they're going to be – wouldn't surprise me if they keep that team together and people stay healthy, that they're fighting for the one of those Western Conference final spots in two years. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Staying healthy is everything. We know that. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about today, Zach? Yeah. I think, you know, we talk about analytics, right? Mm-hmm. I think the teams are working with analytics when it comes to injury and load management even more than ever this year. And yeah. I really think what they're thinking is, is like, if this guy plays less games, less chance to get injured. I think that's basically what it, what it comes down to now. Yeah, and that's somebody I, on that side I would love to kind of talk to so I can get a better understanding of the, of the data because – I get the science. It makes sense. But I also want to know how much of it is guys aren't playing enough and they're getting out there and still getting injured. How much of the balancing act. Yeah. Like I would love to really kind of get in before I, cause I, I I'm really cautious about, I don't give outright criticism like some of the old guys do, but I also know this too. And people don't want to believe this. Oh yeah. And this is a thing. Like this is not, criticism or pro load management this is just analysis you know what it's i mean just analysis yeah yeah, yeah. and i also want to say this because they'll say well these guys fly private these guys got the best treatment but also i just really believe nutrition nowadays is more important than people realize the food that we're eating is not the same food that those guys ate it's just not it's not the same quality is not I don't know. Combo shakes have a lot of qualities. Zach. I don't know. Yeah, Zach. but you're eating like you're doing great things. But I'm talking about just the day to day with some of these. It's just I really believe what I'm and I'm saying this to AAU. I'm saying a lot of bad diet early AAU, too much basketball growing fast. And I think these guys are getting injured sooner. So maybe when they look at these different printouts, when they do these medical tests, maybe they're seeing different rare and tear than we are. And they're like, hey. If he plays another three games in a row, he's going to do this, this, and this, you know? So it's interesting how they're all, they're using it. And I think some of it makes sense, but also at the same time, I'm still a little old school. I love to see some of these guys play a little bit more, just a little bit more. That's, that's me personally. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. You know, this is actually with no fans. It was easier to get that done because I think there'll be more pressure on franchises. Once the teams come back, like let's say you have an AD or a KD and there's a, 20,000 in the arena, it's a little bit different than when it's mostly TV and not too many fans. Yeah, and then a lot of it is how the player is built. You know, I don't like comparing athletes to animals, you know, but for this sake, I'm going to do it because I can't think of another way to say it. I feel like AD, though, is a little bit different. I really think he's that really fragile kind of racehorse or that really fragile, like, expensive car, like a Ferrari where you have to keep it up a certain way, put the certain type of oil, certain type of gasoline, because the way he tore it hurt his, not tore, I won't say that, hurt his growing yesterday. It was like a weird kind of clumsy, almost tight play. You know, he's kind of like well, with, that. With AD, he did not come in. He didn't come in right in shape. To the yeah, season. Let's say what it is. I mean, yeah, he yeah. just did it. You could tell it, it, it was obvious, you know? So with that being said, you start to see lower leg, type injuries, you know, growing calf Achilles and Hey, it didn't, it didn't seem like an extreme stretch. Like he was in a split or right. something. That's what, yeah. Cause yeah. I actually, I, I told somebody I, that I today mine before I, I've told I, I, mine before. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't had that injury, but I was at the gym today and I told somebody that exactly, you know, 
Yeah. Like, yeah. I did mine like slipping on a wet spot and doing a split. Like, yeah, damn, that's doing how it usually happens. Yeah. And so when I saw his, I was like, really? Yeah, and, it wasn't a crazy range of motion, you know? No. And yeah. I did some own, my own research and just from my own experience. I don't know he, even if he'll be able to play in game six. Because the thing about the growing is almost like the hamstring. Depending on the degree, the, the degree of where you've heard it at, if you do it again, you could possibly be done. And with a growing, it's even more trickier because now you're looking at surgery, possibly. So the Lakers are in a – man, it's, but it's been that type of season for them. They're in a tricky spot. I don't know. Only he, know, only he knows how bad it is pretty much. Yeah. And, and those around him. But, I mean, they made the right decision. He's not going to play in game five. I wouldn't even let him travel, stay at home, get as much therapy, as much rest as possible. We don't need you walking around to the airport or none of that kind of stuff, even getting in cars. And then hopefully you're able to go in game six on a closeout game for you guys or a game to force game seven. Because if he's, if he's not able to play, I just don't see how the Lakers even beat Phoenix, let alone advance into the next past the next round. I just don't see it now with this roster this year. See, here's some daily analysis by us. He, he might come back next game and drop 40, and then this was all, you know. <laughs> yeah, if he's healthy, yeah. But it's, uh, man, them growings is tricky. Like, literally, I played on Sundays overseas, and after the game combo, I was literally dragging my leg, like walking straight. And I wasn't even able to halfway walk normal until that following Friday and still wow. had to take a couple ibuprofens, God bless my kidneys, and – make it through a Sunday and some games were better than others, depending on what move I might've done just reacting. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a tricky situation. So hopefully, like I said, for the Lakers sake and the Lakers fan base, he can be there for game six, because again, is it time to press the panic button? Like for yeah, if he's, yeah, if he's not playing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been consistent with my analysis of the Lakers. I felt like, Outside of getting Schroeder, I wasn't happy with their moves this season. Schroeder was great. All. Schroeder was exactly what they needed in terms of roster construction. I, but yep. sometimes I will say, watching it, like, that move was great, as I just said, in terms of roster construction. But actually watching it, sometimes it looks like he's disconnected from the team. Great point, Combo. Great point, because sometimes he gets caught in that I'm hunting my shot mode. And not that, no, we need you to dump it down here to AD mode or yeah. we need you to get Drummond a look because Drummond seems kind of off in space a little bit right now. Or we need you to sometimes just throw it to LeBron and then you go through and do some other things. But to bring him in and then not play Harold, it's been, it's been kind of head scratching watching some of the moves. And again, I'm, I keep saying this, man. If you think LeBron can score 40 or 50, all right, I'll give the fans, let's say he do it one night. If you think he can do that consistently in this round, the next round, all the way through the finals, like he did in Cleveland, that last, those last, you know, that last couple, that last run in Cleveland, then you're delusional. I don't know what you're watching out there. And all I have to do is use the bubble, as you know well, I've said this, as my sample. When he did that in the bubble, he had nothing left in the fourth. I wish we can go step by step. I can literally show you plays. And, K and AD struggled, they lost every game because LeBron had nothing left. I will argue even the controversial Danny Green pass. Yeah, I had no problem with the pass. Number one, I knew he was going to pass it to him because I know LeBron's game. But number two, 
two or three plays before that, he tried to take Jimmy Butler and he literally got this high off the ground. He had no lift yet because he had what, like 30 something in the first half of that game just to keep them, you know, in striking distance. I think you're talking, I think you're talking mostly about times. He's kind of like not bully ball, but half bully ball with the drives. And then when he comes up to explode, it wasn't there. It wasn't there just because of age, not because I'm rooting for him not to do it. It's just age. And if you're going against other younger, just as athletic guys, again, I just don't think, and I think he knows that. And now you're talking about coming off a high ankle sprain. I've had a high ankle sprain. I've never had one at 37, 38 though. But even when I was in my early twenties, like that's not something like he's not going to feel better. And I know he's already kind of alluded to it until after the season. So now you factor in his age, diminishing athleticism and a high ankle sprain. And you guys think he's going to go out and score 35 consistently. Like you got to be out of your yeah, mind. I don't think that's have, realistic. Yeah. He's going to have to do that. But I do see times where he's man, he's really athletic, man. Still. even times. But if we're talking playoffs, we need you to do that to win the series. That's why I said at this stage in his career, and I offer this caveat, if you got multiple wing defenders, so you got Crowder, theoretically Thomas, you got Miles Bridges, not Miles Bridges, Mikael Bridges, theoretically, where we can use some fouls if he wants to play bully ball, I would not be doubling him. He will have to prove to me that he's wearing me out scoring the ball because he's such a great passer. He's such a basketball savant. All they do is create rotations and wide open shots for the rest of the Lakers and they thrive off of that I would even be so stubborn to go down and lose a game not not if it's 3-2 obviously fans but and lose a game just for him to prove to me that he can actually do that this stage of his career and it leads to a W because I'm I'm taking the house I don't think he can I don't think he can not if you got multiple guys that can guard him and you're playing with a lead even in that fourth quarter of the last game Phoenix was up double digits I'm not doubling him so Caruso can hit a three or Marcus Saul made two threes. No, LeBron, you're gonna either make these this this foul these foul shots or you're gonna have to finish over me. That's what I would do at this stage of his career. That's interesting. I mean, I think if he gets it done, you know, it's it's another feather in his cap. I mean, he's like he's 37. He's playing with house money. Like his career is solidified. His legacy is solidified, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I know the more he does more people will look at him as the GOAT. So I think that's what he's going for at this point, right? And he's trying Mm -hmm. to add on top of numbers. And obviously, he's trying to get championships. Speaking of house money, the Knicks, in my opinion, are playing with house money. For sure. Uh, RJ and Julius aren't playing great. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think the Knicks look at Julius's contract when it comes to talks this offseason? Does it hurt it? Or he just had an all basically all-NBA-level season. Do you think that hurts it at all? No, I think they're going to pay him. I hope they're smart to keep themselves flexible. I think if anything, this playoff have shown that he's a two. He's not your franchise player. And even if you look at how Atlanta is guarding him to where they're zoning up, his strength, and this is where, again, the he's really He's really high usage for a two, though. Well, because that's all they have right now. But I'm saying is when you look at the guys that – we just talked about LeBron's, the Stephs, the Katie's, the Hardens. You know, but even yeah, Tatum but he, this year. Yeah, but the, here's the, another the, argument, Zach. What if you're a number one? Is there value to be a number one on a really good team, even if you're not a championship contender? Yeah, but it depends on what your skill set. See, what I'm getting at is he's not a great, he made strides, right? 
But reading defenses and making the right yeah. reads and passes, that this series has shown like he he can't do that. But the thing was he was he was playing with so much poise, making the right simple pass a lot more often. He was but making now, a lot of tough. Yeah, no, I know. I'm saying for the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, he's forcing a lot. Now he's forcing a lot more and playing with less poise. And I would just like to see him to get back in rhythm. Just make make the right pass a few times, just a few times, because I think things but, open up for him if he did. The teams you were playing in a regular season are not scheming you for yeah, a whole series. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like, like the it's kind of like the honest thing. Yeah, like I yeah. wish I knew the Twitter handle off the top of my head because he had like a whole like two minute montage of just different plays of where how Atlanta is zoning him up. Atlanta's playing great. He literally does not see the read though, combo. Like there's yeah. reads to be made. Like put it like this: if it was like LeBron, he'll be eating it up. If it was Harden. He'll be eating up, but literally he doesn't see it. And it's even worse because he's so left-hand dominant that he's missing the reads on the right side. So if it's not really in his left-hand field of vision, he's missing like, like for example, they're zoning him up short corner like baseline. Yeah. There's a couple of times where Norris no Norland's Noel and Taj Gibson are wide open in the dunker spot, but he doesn't see it. Yeah. So I think it just shows that, again, like I always say, there's levels – within the, the great players, the star players, the all-star players, even the all-NBA-type players. And that's why I said I feel like pay him his money, whatever that means, whatever the scale is, because I don't know salaries off the top of my head, but I wouldn't pay him huge franchise-type money and lock myself in a situation where I can't possibly bring other people in because you're going to have to pair him with somebody else. Yeah. Yep, so... This year for them, the Knicks was a great year for correct, correcting the culture, yes. bringing some energy back and to that's the franchise. Tough to, and that's tough to do in one year, to yeah. correct culture, you know? And then especially, I hope people... Especially with the lack of practice this year. It's crazy. Yeah, they had no practice. Yeah, and I hope yeah. people finally understand what R.J. Barrett is. I think he's going to be a really good defender, continue to work on his jump shot. I like for him to be a little bit more patient. I think he forces the issue. If he can get out of that forcing the issue, like this is still Mount Verde or Duke, and kind of settle more into that defender. I watched type him. Guy. Hey, I, I, wa I watched him play in high school. Yeah, he was he was tough. Yeah, he man. was bigger and stronger than everybody. Now, not so yeah. much anymore in the NBA. So that North and South bully ball stuff. I don't think that's his strength. That's not his strength. Yeah, yeah. Zach, great stuff, man. This was a fun great conversation. Stuff. I love I love it when we can just have a, a dialogue combo. I love it. We don't always have to stick to topics. We just can. Yeah, have yeah. A great you have dialogue. to let it flow. You know, you have to let it flow. Exactly. Zach, uh, please let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Twitter is my most engaged. You know, I love that app. Zach at the Off the Glass. Instagram is Zach the Off the Glass podcast. Um, everything is the Off the Glass. So if you hit those links, it'll shoot you to all streaming platforms. And I'm proud of it. Check out the Off the Glass podcast store. I'm rocking the hat now. I got the point guard shirt. I got hot take sucks. I got be great. Uh, build a legacy, not excuses. What's another one? Knowledge plus success. I mean, knowledge, I mean, hard work plus, no, knowledge plus hard work equals success. So one of the things I love too, combo is being creative, man. So I got a lot of designs is actually doing well. We're actually selling some merch, man. So check out that store. Hit my link is www.totgpstore.com. Check all that out. Follow me. I follow back, engage. You know, I engage. I love talking hoops. Yes, sir. Zach. It's always great having you on the show. Appreciate you, Combo. Have a great Appreciate one to talk. You. Have a great one to talk soon, man. Yes, sir. Peace. Later.
Thank you to everyone who listens to Combos Court Podcasts across the globe. Big shouts to Zach for joining in, man. That was a fun one. Thanks, Zach. Uh, yeah, and everybody, go subscribe to the Off the Glass Podcast. That's Zach's podcast. Check it out. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Rate and review the show wherever you listen to Combos Court. If you would like to support this podcast, check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. There's two tiers, and on one of those tiers, you will receive exclusive Patreon-only Combos Court episodes. Another great way to support is share this episode, man. Share it on social media. You could tag me in your IG stories at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Retweet the episode. Tag me at Combos Court on Twitter. That's C O M B O S C O U R T. And that's about it, man. Be on the lookout for episode two seven three combo out.